Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast, we're returning to the Eternals feedback. Read more of your feedback, discussing what you guys have to say. All that right is that we have no control over. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Ashley Coffin. And once again, Jeff is not with us today. He is uh, finishing up his capstone project for his big degree that he's getting. So we are going to be doing some Eternals feedback. And we are just jumping right in because we want to get to as many feedbacks as possible. Um, so I'll grab this first one. We got Tim Brown, a patron, says, uh, My idea about Thena is it wasn't just PTSD in my opinion. It was also almost like a dementia slash Alzheimer's as well. Uh, I worked in a hospital lab for over 25 years. And at one point I also dealt with a lot of locked mental health units at the medical center I was at. Uh, and some of what she was going through reminded me in a lot of ways of some old vets who also have dementia. Hmm. I thought they kind of said that that's what she had. What did they call it? Mad weary. M- mad weary. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting on you to be like, I'm mad weary. Mad bro. weary. <laughs> I, also, I can't, st- I'll never remember it and I'll never not make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I said it and just waited. Um, I was like, mm, I want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, um, yeah, so in the thing they talk about, it's because something about her last reset didn't go properly. And apparent Jeff told us last week that Angelina Jolie described it as PTSD. Okay. But I took it she's as more of not like... the writer. Yeah, yeah, she's not the writer. I mean, hopefully she has a good grasp of what's going on. But, like, I took it as her old memories are just overriding what's going on in the moment or something like that, you know, cause she keeps yeah. like talking about Centauri five and keeps like, which I, I understand is kind of, it's sort of like what PTSD does where it like puts you back in that moment, but also mm-hmm. an Alzheimer's for sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 But also she's like a robot. So it also just make me, her hard drive is full. You know what I mean? Like she's having like some, <laughs> some breakdowns cause her hard drive is full. <laughs> yeah. Can't compute. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm mad weary. <laughs> I'm mad weary. Starts making fax noises. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, 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 I think it's a totally good point though. Could, could be more like dementia. I agree. Okay. We got Winston Gordon, a Patreon says, hello, Ashley, Matt, and Jeff tip of the hat to you guys and all your good work. Couple of thoughts. I absolutely think that at least 75% of the problem with this movie would be fixed by making it a Disney plus series or making a black Knight horror movie first, and then end the first act with the reveal that Dane's girlfriend is an eternal and her getting some of her old friends together because the monsters Dane is fighting is a deviant. Uh, but never give them a personality. Just treat them like Jurassic Park treats the dinosaurs. Uh, <laughs> also, is it just me or is Sprite supposed to be an analogy for the LBGTQIA community? Born in a body that she doesn't feel represented her or allow her to love the person she wants. That might just be me. And Kinga staying on the sideline bit is an interesting topic for the other more ethical... Matt, <laughs> to talk about on his podcast. If Kingo truly believes that killing the Celestials is risking billions of lives, staying on the sideline makes him an active bystander to a, har- a horrific event, no? 
Keep this Marvel train going. Love you guys. 3000 PS. Sorry for the long message. The more ethical, Matt, I don't, like, I get, I get being like, you know, the ethical panda, all that good stuff. He's, I know what you mean, but like, I don't want to be known as the less ethical Matt. That's not great. That's not great. That's not great PR for me. (laughs) I love it. Actually, I actually love it. Thank you. Yeah, that's pretty funny. (laughs) It's really funny. Uh, but no, I think, um, I love the question of Kingo leaving. That's why I liked it so much is cause it is complex. It's like, there's, there's believing something and there's believing something enough to murder for it. You know what I mean? Right. And like, those mm-hmm. are two different levels of fight you're willing to do. And you could say, oh, you just don't believe you don't, you don't, you don't believe really that it's the wrong thing to do to kill the celestial if you're not willing to fight for it. But like, right. yeah, that's not necessarily true. It's like, that's, it may, may just be, he has some doubts and it's not worth killing his friends over, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's how he was like, I think this is wrong, but I can't fight you guys. So I'm just going to walk away, which isn't a good excuse there, Kingo. But, uh, I get, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough moment in the movie and like, it is challenging and like, I find it super interesting. Mm-hmm. I really like it. Yeah. Uh, okay, the other things, uh, LGBTQIA community and Sprite. I see what you're saying, like there's definitely, the, can be those, uh, comparisons, but I think they make it broad enough that Sprite can work for anyone who's experienced sort of like, unrequited love you know mm-hmm. like yes that works if that's how you feel it if that's how you interpret it especially like if you're a person of that community and you see that connection like i totally see making that work uh for for how a way to experience the movie but it's also i could just see someone who like you know doesn't have the body type where she feels like she can get the man she wants you know and like or whatever. Like I know lots of girls who like sit on the sidelines where their friend gets the guy they wish they were with, you know, and that there's yeah. nothing. Uh, is I think it's anyone who has that sort of unrequited love situation could be that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, as for your idea of, I, we we talked a lot about the series idea, but I love this idea of of them doing a Black Knight horror movie. That yes, leads into please. like, how cool would it be if Cersei was like the background character of a horror movie that was like, sort of like a girlfriend that's clearly hiding something. And like, maybe you think she's like cheating or something like, cause she's like not answering things directly or she's <laughs> avoiding questions, whatever. And then it turns out she's an eternal. Yeah. How to explain it? <laughs> yeah. Like the black Knight or like Dane is like trying to convince her to move in and she's always evasive and not really answering giving him good reasons and like it's like heartbreaking to your main character and so you're <laughs> yeah. like you're like on his side and you're kind of like man why is this Cersei girl so mean and then it turns out she's an eternal like yeah that'd be super fun it's a big deal <laughs> yeah so it's not a first first date you know conversation but it's definitely a third date conversation <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah where are we going <laughs> are we are we are we eternal together is this no. love? Is this love eternal? Um, okay. Michael Zyke on uh, one of our patrons says, uh, there's a lot to unpack with the Eternals, but I'll try to keep it short. I felt the scores weren't fair. Talking about the Rotten Tomato scores. 
Okay. However, here's a few questionable plot choices. I feel they did a decent job with the characters and making a drama with 10 characters. Now for the specifics. Why would Icarus mention being in the Avengers if he obviously doesn't care about the Earth's well-being? Why did his eyes flicker? Okay, let's take these one at a time because I feel like he asks okay. a lot of questions here. Uh, why does he mention being in the Avengers if he doesn't care about the Earth's well-being? Did we know at that point that that celestial was coming through? No, we didn't. So I think, okay. I think the answer to that is like, he's been there 7,000 years and all of the Eternals seem to have a little bit of like, especially Kingo, but all of them have a little bit of like, we've been just sitting around for 7,000 years. Let's do something. And yeah. maybe he would rather be doing something on the Avengers, even if it means eventually the destruction of the earth. Like, being an Avenger has status. It has so it's the same reason Kingo wants to be a superstar. Like maybe he wants to go be an Avenger. Um, yeah. It's sort of a thin reason there, but like also he, maybe he thinks it's just a way he can have a bigger impact on protecting humanity. Well, he said he wanted to lead them because he's like, right. Oh, I could lead them. <laughs> yeah. Which in the trailer, they all laugh in the movie. They go, they don't laugh. They all kind of like uh, treat it like it could be a thing. Um, uh, like he could do that. Uh, and and we know from more of the last half of the movie that he is sort of like their uh, field leader or whatever. Right. Hmm. He's their Cyclops. Why did his eyes flicker before deciding to help Cersei? I don't What's remember he? this. Do you know what he's talking? I don't know. I don't remember this. No. Okay. Um, Sorry. When did he decide to help? Cer like, I thought uh, he turns against her. Did they see each other again at that end battle? It, it saw it once. I'm so sorry. Yeah, we've watched it, it once at night. <laughs> uh, I don't remember when his eyes flickered, so I'm going to have to defer to, to you on that. I mean, one, he, I, I'm not knowing really, but he was in love with her. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, he, he says, "Was he suffering of mad weary too?" I guess he flickered similar to the way that a uh, Thena flickers. Hmm. She, her eyes go white though. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I didn't catch the flickering, so I apologize, but I don't, I don't know which scene you're talking about. Like when he decided to help her, like, I don't know if it was like when he decided to help her fight that deviant at the beginning of the movie or if, uh, there's, there's a scene, uh, where like she tells him or they, they have, they decide to be in love together. Is that what he means? I don't, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure which, which scene uh, Michael's talking about. Uh, why did Sprite suddenly join in the Unimind? Um, did she see him change his mind? Uh, did she see him change his mind? I think she she's talking about uh, maybe Icarus. Did Sprite um, see Icarus change his mind? Yeah, because she joined the Unimind to go against the... Celestial. Yeah. I don't think she had control was the way I took that. Like it, it appeared, right. which is what they said actually, uh, at the end of the movie was that like they actually formed a unimind with the celestial and they talked about connecting themselves. So they all have the power. They, they mm -hmm. share each other's power similar to the guardians when they all hold the hands to do this, you hold the stone. Like it's a similar concept. So, that is supposedly to protect them or like to use for all of them to kind of siphon their power into one of them so they can enhance the powers of the other, the power of one of them was the idea. Um, mm -hmm. and it seems that when the celestial emerges from a planet, 
it creates a unimind with the Eternals to protect them from the destruction of the Earth. They say that at the end of the movie. They say, that's how we were we were going to survive the Earth's destruction, was we were going to be in, in the middle of a unimind with the Celestial. But because Cersei was... Cersei used all of that power because um, Faustus... So many names. Faustus had told her how she could, once she's in a unimind, siphon the power off of everyone to enhance her powers. So she's actually using the powers of the Celestial to do what she does to the Celestial. Like She would not have probably been able to do that if she wasn't connected to the Celestial. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, it, it, they they breeze by it in the last, like one of the last scenes. They have a quick like nod to that. So I don't think that uh, Sprite changed her mind or saw uh, him change his mind. I think she just like gets. They all get caught up in the Unimind without uh, without a choice. All right. Yeah. Also, didn't they mention that Cersei connected with Tiamat and lended her power? basically helping her kill itself. Yes, that is what happened, but it wasn't a choice on Tiamat's part. It was the fact that like, that's just how the Unimind works that when you're Mm -hmm. all connected, it enhances everyone's powers. And since she just took advantage of that moment, it was like a a moment of weakness that Tiamat had that they just normally Eternals don't decide to kill their celestial, you know, it's yeah. not, it sounds like most of the time they don't even know that the Celestial's coming except for the leader. Right. And right. then they also normally don't turn on the Celestial to destroy it. But in this particular circumstance, they had done that. And now, like, she gets caught up, uses all of the power of the Eternals and the Celestial to destroy the Celestial. Um, okay. Cool. Uh, continuing with Michael's feedback. I thought Icarus killing himself was dumb. Uh, but he was the overzealous type. I thought he was just going to fly away as a self-imposed exile. Um, also, did anyone else notice the Batman and Superman references? I guess DC Comics exists in the MCU now. Uh, the ending felt like five end credit scenes put back to back. Thanos is an eternal with a brother and a father in the MCU, and I'm done. Sorry, I was trying to keep it short, uh, but I think that was the short list. Um, can't wait for the Kingo cut of the movie and the connected documentary. Uh, keep up the good work. Also, who won the eternal death count bet? Uh, that's did a good question. We, did we, we do that? We already? did not do that. Uh, so we, we, there's not an official winner. It's between me and you. I said <sighs> one, you said five were the Eternals that would die. Three mm-hmm. died. So they're like me and you right in the middle is right in the middle of our, our answers. So I don't know. Okay. That's fair. So we get uh two fifty from Jeff each. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, okay. Uh, next is fear. Mjolnir. Fear. <laughs> Mjolnir. Fear. Mjolnir. Uh, <laughs> hey Matt, Jeff. Feel meow meow. Uh, hey Matt, Jeff, and Ashley. I've been listening since about midway through Fatas, and I have loved every episode since the beginning. That I, and I don't have many people to talk about Marvel with. Most people just don't get my love for the MCU. So I found your podcast, and now this gives me something to at least enjoy at work. And knowing there are so many other people out there who love the MCU as much as me. So thank you so much for an awesome podcast. Anyway. 
I have a theory for the Eternals that I need another opinion on. Everyone says, why didn't they help with Thanos, especially after the post credit scene? Spoiler, with Thanos' brother saying he's an Eternal, which means Thanos should be Eternal or a Deviant, question mark. But anyway, I don't think that anyone has really thought of the fact, what if they just didn't know or weren't fast enough to even help? Thanos arrives both times on Earth and is there for a very, very short amount of time, it seems. So like Makari and maybe Icarus would have had been able to get there to help, but that's if they knew about Thanos. If their mind gets wiped every time and the deviants they fought all look like they did in the movie, then how would they even know Thanos was part deviant? Granted, it would have been badass to see Makari just destroy Thanos because she's absolutely amazing, but I think she would have been the only one who would have been able to help. Honestly, I don't know if that makes sense, but I thought about it the other day and just wanted everybody's input. Thank you guys so much for everything. Love everyone, 3000, Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, Yeah, totally makes sense. Like That is definitely a headcanon for why they didn't help. Um like they just weren't around. Couldn't get there in time. Couldn't yeah. get there in time. Never heard about it. Like it's really like th- that's one thing that people are always like, yeah. Well, why doesn't Iron Man call Captain America when he's in trouble or whatever? But like most of the time, if you pay attention to the movie, it all happens so fast. Like most of the time, it's reactionary. Like they're protecting yeah. the president because he's captured or whatever. And every once in a while, there's like a moment where like yes, they could have made a phone call, but like yeah, you just like sometimes yeah. it's just. Everybody's dealing with their own stuff, you know? Yeah. They're off planet right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it seems like at this point in their lives, they thought the deviants were done. They thought all deviants were dead. Uh, so they were just chilling for like the last 2000 years. They've just been like chilling and waiting on their mission to be over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just and they looked bored. So I don't know. Yeah. They should have been paying more attention to the Earth. Come on, Eternals. Sarah Day McDougal on Facebook says, I heard Brian V. Klein and Haley Hobbs mention it, mention this, but not on the main cast, I don't think, Ashley Coffin. Uh, the tech that Fastos used, uh, slash created, um, seemed very reminiscent of the Ten Rings to me. Uh, the CGI was so similar and the way it moved, I very much think it will be connected, but no idea when or how. I was really expecting one of the end scenes to be teased to them. That's a great point, yeah. Yeah, what we had said at the end of Shang-Chi is, we, I was shocked that there was no reference to that at all in this movie about the rings, because we were very convinced that those rings were had something to do with the Eternals, right. just based on how old they were. Right. And they, they looked the... like the stuff from the trailers for the Eternal. Like, right. not just Faustus's stuff, but it looked like all of the other stuff that we'd seen from their, like, uh, tech in the trailers. If he ends up being the, you know, the forger of those rings, I would not be surprised. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either at all. If where we're going with, with Marvel movies next two years is, like, into sort of the celestial territory... It could be that these were created by a character like Fastos 
could have been mm-hmm. an Eternal from another planet that had a similar power, like their tech wizard on another planet or whatever, or another dimension or whatever, mm-hmm. like some sort of connection. I, I, I still think the connection is there. I don't know if it's going to be Fastos or it's going to be another character similar. Um, mm-hmm. but I think that's that, what I, I had yeah. said back to her. I was like, now I'm not sure if it's going to be with the, you know, from the Eternals, especially right. it has that beacon going off inside of it. And if it wasn't to alert the Eternals that something, you know, something was going on. But then that's what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, exactly. If that wasn't like connected to the emergence, what was that connected to? And I'm guessing maybe something to do with Eros, like whatever Eros is doing, like coming to see them, something's going on with the Celestials out in space. Like not because clearly with Eros coming to see them and also with Thanos and all all the, the plans that have gone on in the last few years, Thanos being connected to the Eternals makes less sense. And it's like, Something's going down in the cosmos. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I a think shift of power. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even Captain Marvel didn't know what the rings were. Yeah. Like she was like, nobody knows. We're not sure. Mm. I'll call you back. <laughs> I need to rewatch Shang-Chi this week now that it's out. Maybe I can get my uh, niece to watch it with me. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to take care of my mom and niece this weekend or the, the rest of the week. Today was my five podcast day and then I'm <laughs> spending the rest of the week with her. Yeah. Are you driving back tomorrow? Tonight, actually. Oh my goodness. I've got this podcast and one more tonight and then I'm going, <laughs> going home <laughs> and then I'll have the next couple of days to edit these podcasts while I take care of my mom. I got to be there in the morning to get my niece on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <Ugh>. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, and how long of a drive is that? Oh, it's only an hour and a half. It's not bad. Okay. It's still an hour and a half. Yeah. But I'm so, I'm so used to it. Like le- this yeah. year between. 10 hours to Dallas to see Alyssa constantly like the, I just need to drive an hour and a half or two hours to Montgomery to pick up my mom and take her to her doctor's appointments and then to bring her back home and then just ping pong around the state. Then I also play in Atlanta about two or three times a month. And those are normally like drive over, play a show, drive back nights. And how long is that? Like five hours, three hours. So it's six hours total round trip. Okay. So yeah, I'm just so used to it now. Um, yeah. And I'd really try to get some work done. The thing that I've like <laughs> wish was possible. And I don't know if it is. I want to fi- like, I know there are these algorithms, but I haven't been able to find a good version of them online. There's gotta be this. I need to, I, somebody out there probably knows. So if you know, let me know somebody that's a good audio engineer. I'm a m- medium audio engineer, but there are apparently softwares that will analyze the noise in the background and just take it out. What? I need that. Like if the, if, if you've got a noise in the background that's fairly consistent, like, like, like a white noise, for instance, it will okay. analyze the audio and actually like do like, like whatever spectral analysis and like tell exactly what that noise sounds like, that white noise, and it will just remove that. Like just remove so a certain So you could like noise. record while driving in the car. Yeah, that's what Ooh. I'm thinking. Like how cool would it be if I could like while driving have the conversations that I always have and like, get get two podcasts done on the way to Atlanta, you know? <laughs> That'd be a good idea. Actually, I, that's a great idea. I think it's not bad. It's not and honestly, I could focus more on the road cuz it's so like mind-numbing just driving straight. Like I could I could easily focus on conversations and have I think good conversations. It's definitely worth a try. <laughs> it's worth that's a, that's exactly how I feel. It's worth a try. So just doubling up at different activities. That's like what I have to do <laughs> in life these days. Uh okay. Up next, we got Ricardo Jimenez says, Hey, buds, uh, I had a lot 
of the same initial thoughts as the three of you guys after the Thursday's viewing. Uh, very much felt like Jeff with the whole kind of a downer of experience, uh, but also think or at least hope a second, third, fourth, etc. viewing will make the good stand out more. Uh, the mediocre dissipate and everything will come together a bit more cohesively with the knowledge of the entire story. Uh, my initial summation of the movie was Marvel made a DC movie for some reason. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, which made me mad at myself uh, for thinking such dumbass blasphemy. I'm pretty sure I said that in the last episode. <laughs> yeah, that's super funny. I would watch an entire series of Kingo's Valet for a few seasons, though. Uh, I was planning on bringing... Uh, an ultra gold monster energy to the theater because it fit the vibe uh, and because <laughs> the gold, I guess I like it. Mm -hmm. And I fear falling asleep, but I couldn't find one in time. And I blame that halfway for the, my bummerness on the movie. No. Oh. Okay. Rick PS. Uh, I know you guys are always busy, uh, but my band's touring November through December. Uh, and again, January through February and hitting Philly and Texas on either one or, or both. So uh, if anyone wants to, a night out and, and to chat some geeky stuff, some between metal bands, some geeky shit between metal bands, uh, mm -hmm. let me know and I'll hook up guest list spots. Uh, no Alabama stops, unfortunately. Sorry, Aww. Jeff. But well, you can see him in, yeah, sorry, Jeff. That sounds cool. Yeah, that sounds yeah. really cool. Please uh, Email write, write in, uh, Ricardo, and tell us about where you're playing, because you, I, I love live music, and I'd, I'd happily come check it out. Um, mm -hmm. And I even will, you know, I drive around a lot, so I don't know if you're coming anywhere close to this part of the country, but uh, I'm in Texas sometimes, and other times yeah. I'm just wherever the world finds me. So yeah, hit us up. Hit us you're back rambling, up man. I'm a rambling man. Uh, I think all those points are valid. I think like Eternals may get better on subsequent viewings. I keep meaning to go rewatch it because I feel the same way. I feel like it's going to be better the next time I watch it. I just, I, yeah. I, I do feel that way. I agree. I, and it's like, I can't wait to, to like sit and watch it at home. Yeah. I have a feeling with how quick Shang-Chi came out that uh, Eternals will be on Disney Plus, I would think, by Christmas, don't you? Mm, maybe. It would be really, like, they would get a lot of views on it if they if they release it, like, right after Hawkeye or something on there. Yeah. When yeah. everybody's home for the holidays. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, mm, yeah, but they probably don't want to compete with No Way Home. They probably want No Way Home to be in the theater for a Is few Is that pre-Christmas or post-Christmas? Uh, I think it's the 17th, maybe. Oh, wow. Okay. Right at Christmas. So they probably want to wait till after Christmas to do Eternals. Okay. Maybe a few weeks because they want to, they don't want you to like be deciding, do I stay home tonight and watch Eternals or do I go out and spend money on, uh, on the Spidey, Spidey man. Hmm. I don't know. Spider-Man's just such a huge event. I feel like not that many people, I mean, there are people who will have to make that decision, but like, I feel like people are going to. There's a lot of people who will yeah. be seeing Spider-Man. I'm just thinking in my head, I'm like, when you guys find out when those tickets go on sale, we need to set timers. Because yes. it is going to be, I feel like this will be the first time it'll be like back in the day trying to get tickets Agreed. for a movie. Agreed. 
Agreed. Jameson Holbrook on Gmail says, what's going on all? My name is Jameson and I'm writing in from southeastern Wisconsin. <laughs> I started listening to y'all a few weeks before Loki and G's was eternal something. Great concept, but very hard to keep up with. No, I mean, the seven different timelines were confusing. And like you said last time, Ashley, specific characters would just disappear for like 20 to 30 minutes at a time. Yeah, Ooh, I get a, I get a quote. Spoilers ahead. Icarus turning was disappointing, but not as much as Salma Hayek's character. Seriously, how can you call yourself the Prime Eternal if you die so easily like that? I really don't get it. And Sprite did not turn on the rest of the Eternals for Icarus? I mean, come on. The mid-credit scene made me want to throw something at the theater screen. Ooh, I think Marvel may have missed on a perfect Adam Warlock slash Will Poulter setup, but I guess we'll have to see which direction Harry takes the Star Fox. Black Knight also got the short end of the sick in this movie, but Blade's voice was weird and unexpected. After this movie, I have no idea what's next for us cosmically, but all I know is that I'm ready for some Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Marvel continues to never let me down, but instead throw curveballs. And I'm going to keep swinging for the fences. Love y'all and the beautiful Ashley. Aw. P.S. Makari was definitely my favorite, and if Marvel ever had to do a Flash movie, LOL, they would kill it. The, her effects were top tier. Thanks for listening. Mm, yeah, they, I love I loved her effects. Um, yeah, she looked great. Super cool. And I've Eli, as we said on the, I think our main cast was just like, I've seen speedster things many, many times. And that was just a really well done and interesting, different one and mm-hmm. different take. And I dug it a lot. And yeah, I think Jameson feels a little harsher than even I do. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not that, I'm not that harsh on this movie, but like, yeah, he feels harsher than I do. Um, but I get all these complaints. Um, the seven different timelines were confusing. Mm-hmm. Like when you go far enough back in the past too, kind of jumping through history, and I know they gave time markers, but sometimes it just kind of gets it gets sort of lost in like how many thousands of years back are we? Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm bad <laughs> what at BC eighty are we? <laughs> I'm bad at history. I don't know when this Aztec stuff happened or like <laughs> Babylon. I don't know when Babylon was and like what I'm happens. Like, That's pre Jesus, post Jesus. I don't know. That's <laughs> the desert. <laughs> I really like, is that pre-Jesus, is that post-Jesus? Because, like, it sounds ridiculous, but it's also, like, literally how our calendar is organized. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, yeah. Is it, you're right. Is that pre-Jesus or post-Jesus? Which which 2000 is that? Yeah. Um, super funny. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I kind of like that they let Sprite stay in the club, even after he turned on them. Because, like, I mean, Kingo kind of turned on them, too. Like... In a way, they turned on their all. They all turned on their religion, basically. Yeah, like they turned on Aramith, and like they can't really blame them for like sticking with Aramith for like one extra day. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, it's like it's sometimes it's hard to get. And you know, he was in love. Stuff. You know, in love with yeah. uh, Icarus. You, you, yeah, you do uh, crazy things. Crazy things for love. Crazy little thing, baby. Called love. Oh, yeah. Crazy. All right. Jeffrey Berger on Gmail says, hi, Queen Ashley, Jeff and Matt. (laughs) Feel very regal. Yeah, you should. It's my first time writing in, but I picked you guys up after WandaVision dropped and I desperately needed to hear other Marvel fans that were theorizing. Uh, Personally, as a fan of slower movies like American Beauty, Lost in Translation, and even... Chloe's last movie, Nomadland. 
I really appreciated a Marvel movie that didn't feel the need to move at the breakneck speed. Do I want to see and learn more about these characters? Of course I do. Uh, but I also like that Marvel isn't trying to become stale uh, by giving us the same origin movie over and over again. Okay, theory time. I thought the voice in the second post credit sequence sounded like Jeffrey Wright's Watcher. Ooh, interesting. Uh, hmm. Am I the only one that immediately thought of What If? I think everybody was very confused by that voice. They had to tell us the next day. <laughs> yeah, yep, they did. Uh, also, I do think Icarus is gone, and with Sprite now human, that leaves us with six Eternals left. Uh, Harry Styles, and however many more might be out there. Uh, could they all eventually try and take down the Celestials? And what would that mean for the future of the universe? Uh, keep up the great work, team. Best, Jay Berger. Hmm. 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 Yeah, I, I think we're setting up something with the Eternals. Well, I the wonder if now that the planet doesn't have a baby Celestial in it, if it's prime for Galactus eating. Yeah, that's possible. I do I do think it's possible that like two two things. We talked about the possibility of them of maybe Galactus is a punishment sent by the celestials if they decide that like humanity isn't worthy. Uh but it's also possible that like they've been protecting the earth from something like Galactus all this time. Mm -hmm. And now that there's no need for Earth to mature to grow a celestial, uh so is the idea that like there's not a celestial in every inhabited world, right? I don't think so. I don't know that much about them. I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to remember the thing. Like, cause they, they say that like the celestials then go out and use that power they've gained to like create new solar systems worlds. or whatever. New worlds. Yeah. Starts to get too big. Starts to get a little too big to like <laughs> care, like understand. Like it's hard to care about that when you in your when you're faced with the world's destruction, and that's what happens to the Eternals. Their empathy gets the better of them, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I like the Jay Burger liked the slower pace. I don't think there's anything wrong with Marvel doing a slower pace movie, and mm -hmm. I like that they're trying different styles of movie. I really do. I, I, I'm. I'm complete agreement that I don't want them to get stale. Yeah. But uh, I, I, my problems were not that, that it was slower. And I feel like that's the thing someone else said earlier um, that they made a DC movie. And it's like the, the guys over the guys who love DC, like, and I, I and I know a few of them, um, the guy yeah. who's the guys who love the DC movies. It's like a lot of times they look at Marvel fans and go like, Oh, you just want a fast paced action punch them up and I like my slow contemplative movies. And it's like, no, like that's not it. I just don't, the DC movies thus far of the DCEU with the exception of a few haven't made me care about the characters in the same way. Right. And that's it. You know, that's really it. Yeah. And this, and this movie had that same flaw, which like I didn't care about the characters enough by the end. And there was of it. a lot of slow motion. And there was a lot of very Zack Snyder. -y. <laughs> Zack Snyder is Chloe Zhao. That's okay. I like slow motion. It's fine. Oh, I, I like Zack Snyder. It's fine. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. But oh, I do you too. know, could be better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I'm not gonna. There are things that could, we, we we won't relitigate the DC mm -hmm. versus Marvel discussion too much. But uh, you know, generally, oh. we like the Marvel movies. Yeah. But it doesn't. 
my point is they don't have to all be the same. They don't have to be the same origin story. They don't have to be fast paced. They don't have to be quippy. They just like need to make me care about the character. And some of those things that like the fast paced nature, the quippiness can sometimes assist in that because, Oh, this is a fun character to be around a fun movie is often, it's something Joss Whedon taught me watching Joss Whedon stuff. And like he, he, he set the tone for how some of this works. He's the one who figured out how to put the different worlds together into an Avengers movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Joss Whedon watching his shows over the years. I learned that like, if you show me characters having fun, like having really genuine fun, and I like watching them, like I'm having a great time watching them, then you put those characters in peril. Mm-hmm. There's this emotional reaction where I'm like, I want to get back to the fun with my characters that I love. And if yes. you kill one of them, it hurts me. Ugh, serenity. Ah, cough, cough. Yes. Yeah. Rip my heart out. Absolutely. Um, and, and even all of, all of his oeuvre, like the entirety of his, uh, discography, that's not the word, filmography. Filmography. Is, uh, completely like, he, he, he introduces these fun characters that are funny and quippy and, and lovable, and then you love them. And so when they're in peril or they die, it's really painful. And that's just a beautiful way of making a movie. There's other ways to make you care about characters. Um, I don't think of Daredevil as a particularly funny or fun character. Right. Uh, but I like love Matt Murdock, you know, like you can yeah. have darker, more contemplative stuff. I don't know. No, I agree. Yeah. Just make me care. Like what you're putting down. Make me care. All right. Uh, Jason McGill on Gmail says, Thanos was right? Question mark. <laughs> uh, by eliminating half of life in the universe, he saved planets that would have been destroyed by celestial births. Uh, if he just doubles the resources, it would have accelerated that progress. Snapping out half of life was the only way. Yeah. It's true. Dropping facts. Dropping facts. Did Thanos know that, though, is the question. That is the question. And I think we might find out, which is cool, because we know mm-hmm. his brother, Star Fox or whatever, is about to tell us, like, what... I, I, I'm really Star curious. Fox. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Star Fox, all right. He is. Yeah, he is. Like, how old is he? <laughs> old enough. You're fine. Running on that 25 train lately. I'm like, Tambourine, Saturday, Tom Holland, that guy. I'm like, what can't, these guys are too young. It's not fun. Man, you're being a real dude right now. <laughs> it's like 25-year-olds. The great thing about 25-year-olds, Ashley, you get older, but they stay the same age. Yeah, man. That Timothy Chalamet, you better watch out when he's 30. I'm coming for you, baby. Just put me in the back burner. Just wait a little while. Wait till you're a little older. 30, I'm going to come swooping and snatch you up. Tambourine Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) So silly. All right. uh, You, I can take this one. It's a long one we got here. Andrew McLaughlin on Gmail says, hi guys, loved your podcast. Completely agree with everything you said. Sadly, this MCU film was a downer. Uh, For me, the biggest issue was that there was too much time skipping. And I believe the film was set out in the wrong order. I completely agree. If it was a TV show, it would have been a hundred percent better. But if you played the movie in chronological order with the only flashback being the death of Ajax, uh, I think the movie might have land better. Um, Mm. That's interesting. 
I, I actually, that's really interesting thinking about mm-hmm. that because it's, this is supposed to be an epic, right? And one of my problems with this movie is I do feel like it's very disjointed. And if you really mm-hmm. saw these characters grow over the course, I'm like, what if you like kind of had got some, some things that are fun montages. If you got some montages of Kingo becoming a Bollywood star and then his son also being a, let's meet my son, da da da. And like Kingo's son becoming like, that could have been hilarious stuff to see in real yeah. time. You know, I feel like the Witcher did a really good job with that. Cause I remember watching, mm. it's only about eight episodes and it's completely chronologically out of order. And they do not tell you that right. that's what's going on. So until like episode seven, finally you're like, wait a minute, I see the whole big picture now, which I was not <laughs> expecting to happen. I was like, what the hell is going on? What is this? Um, but by seven and eight, you figure out exactly what's going on, and you're like, oh, okay, 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 I got you, I got you. Um, I feel like it just didn't... But that's also doing it a show, and I'm not saying that this movie needed to be a show. We just needed a little bit more. Right. I always need more. <laughs> it is just hard. Like it's just, There's so many ways to handle this problem, and I, I won't say they didn't try because they did try clearly, but like introducing 10 characters in a two hour and 30 minute movie and, and, and so much world building and then trying, and it's just hard. It's just a really hard challenge. Yeah. And yeah. I think like if they'd stripped some characters out of the story or like made some of these characters way smaller parts of the story. Uh, and like, I, I'd hate that cause I like all of the characters, but if they, yeah. if some of these characters were very deliberately put on the back burner so that two or three or four could be the very front and center, I think this movie would be better. Cause yeah, I, I think they, they just, I agree. Tried to try to do too much, but this is, I, I do like this idea and it would make it feel more cohesive. The idea of going, uh, through the entire timeline in order. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I also felt there wasn't a relatable figure that could play the audience's part in the story. Often, uh, they were trying to make us feel something for characters that ultimately were driving the destruction of the earth and the deviants never felt like enough of a threat to make you care, uh, that they were on earth too. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. This guy, Andrew, making good points, making really good points, uh, because Marvel movies often do this thing where they have a bad guy you're going up against and then they pivot and make you realize the bad guy is a different bad guy. But right. to make the movie work, you have to think the both threats were real. Mm. Um, I'm thinking of Civil War, for instance, where like, oh, uh, He's going to activate these like uh, super soldiers, right? Like that's what you think is going to happen the whole movie, and then right. they get there, and it's actually just you got to fight each other. Yeah, like it's just a video to play, and that's a great twist. But the rest of the movie doesn't work if you don't actually fear the super soldiers a little bit. You kind of have to care about the super soldiers, and yeah. this movie you do not care about the deviants from a threat level perspective. Mm-mm. So that's a really nope. good, that's a really good point. I swear. That's why they had to end up having them fight each other. See, I, to, I don't know that that's why they had them fight each other. Cause you could easily make the deviants 
a real threat. The deviant overlord guy yeah. who hybrided. Yeah. Right. Well, it happened really late in the movie too. So like the, mm-hmm. so like the main internal struggle of this movie is boredom. Like it's the, it's the 10 of them sitting around and going like, we did our job. We've been here yeah. 7,000 years. <laughs> now they arguing about how they should do their job. But like all of them are kind of like, I don't know. Is this a, what is this mission even for? And like, that's not, I don't know. It's a conflict and it's, it's, it's interesting on some levels, but I think there are ways to make the story, uh, to drive the story a little more, uh, directly or whatever. Yeah. Um, there was also an amazing opportunity for them to turn, uh, Tiamat, uh, into a man-sized celestial, uh, mist. Hmm. I felt, but perhaps having a celestial remain on Earth uh, will be pivotal moving forward. Uh, I don't blame the actors for their depiction of any of the characters. Uh, I felt the responsibility for the way the film came across lies in the, on the editing floor. Get uh, specific. Yeah. Pointing fingers. I like it. Uh, <laughs> there was too many monologues and talking scenes in Act 3 uh, where I felt the point was made and it was time to go, but the editor fed us another scene of chatting. Icarus also seemed confusing as a character, as his story suddenly switched, and then switched again with no real motive uh, to him other than killing his family, because Dad said. <laughs> mm, and true. Uh, mm-hmm. Finally, I have a question. When the Deviant uh, Evolvement started reciting memories of each of the Eternals, do you think they were actually the minds of the Eternals it had absorbed, and the scene where Athena kills it is in fact the real death scene of Gilgamesh and Ajax? Kind regards, Andrew. Maybe? I mean, I do know they all go regenerate in Antarctica or whatever. In, or in the comics, in the comics they reincarnate. But I don't understand exactly what he's saying here. The thing started saying memories back at Thena. Like, it was saying things to her that, like, I can't remember exactly, but I do know what he's talking about. It was, like, you know, making it hard for her to be like, ah, but then she did kill it. Because it was absorbing stuff from That's very strange. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to see it again. The way I took that, I actually, I don't think we've talked about it on the cast. The way I took that was that she intentionally... So he had absorbed their personalities and their minds. Like, that's what he was doing. And their bodies or whatever, as they were, like, going around becoming... He was going around and evolving. He was... he was Because as he did that, he learned things. He, like, knew things about them. Right. I don't know if this is the case, but it seemed like she intentionally let him siphon some of her... Some of her energy off of her, and I wonder if it, she was trying to get rid of the Mad Weary. She's just Mad Weary. <laughs> she, like, He's Mad Weary. We're all Mad Weary. The whole point was that she had too many memories, so maybe if she could actually let him take some of them. Oh, that's good. Like maybe if she thought it might be a way of solving the Mad Weary. That was what I thought was going on in that scene, but then they never touched on it, so I don't know. When that scene happened, that's what I thought was going on. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, There's a lot in this movie. I guess I gotta go rewatch it. 
Yeah. I will say about his idea about Icarus, um, Icarus, he says Icarus also seemed confusing as a character and suddenly switched and switched again with no real motive, but killing his family. I don't think that's totally accurate. I think that like, I think he was on his side the whole, like he was on the one side the whole time. He was just kind of playing the game. To yeah. see where they were going to go with their choices and then be like, well, this sucks. I got to kill you now because this is my way of life and this is what we're supposed to do. Well, I think he even says he's like not trying to kill them. Like he wanted right. to get them. He wanted to get them to just like waste their time. So he was like yeah. sabotaging their journey to try to make mm-hmm. them take too long. And then they just end up like, you know, the celestial is birthed and they just go back and they never have to have a fight. Uh, but Ajax, it was too late because she revealed that like she was, uh, and the only way that he could like, he like uses Ajax death to like convince them all they need to go fight deviants. You know, that's why he takes her to Antarctica. He's like, here, fight these deviants. Cause I need deviants to kill you so that they will th- they will need to go fight deviants instead of dealing with the actual problem, which is the whole yeah. plot of the movie. I'm sorry. I'm sitting here explaining the plot of the movie, but, um, <laughs> But I think that's like that. I don't think he swaps motivations is my point. I think he just, we don't know his motivation and then we do. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. More. Ah. It's good. It's good. It's good. good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it again. I really am. Yeah. Well, my friends, it is that time that we shut this thing down. Uh, We'll be back with more Eternals feedback episodes coming up. uh, And we've got, Hawkeye starting next week. Uh, it's next just, week? Yeah, I believe oh. so. Right? 24th? Cool. What is it now? Yeah, next next week. It's the day before Thanksgiving, and that's fun. Yeah, oh gosh. Oh no, I didn't realize that. No, no. Well, the, oh no. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think my family's doing stuff on Thanksgiving. I think they're doing it like the w- couple days before Thanksgiving. So oh, that's good. I think I'll get to just like devote my Thanksgiving to sleeping in and uh, recovering from Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah, good. Usually Wednesday is like the relaxed night before the storm. It's the party night. Yeah, except I'll be like staying up till 2 a.m. to just start watching two hours of Hawkeye and then an hour of casting or whatever. I didn't even think about it. I might I might be able to join you guys. Oh, that's right, because it's Thursday. Yeah. And you're all, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the, I'll, I'll be real quiet while Matthew produces. Yeah, no, <laughs> I think Fox is supposed to join and... Uh, Melissa actually asked if she could join too. So I'm, I'm debating whether the late night could work with four people, uh, or <laughs> I, di- I digress back though. Let them. Well, no, 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 have, no. I, I, well, the thing is, I also told Melissa, I was like, we could probably do a four person, especially for the shorter reaction cast. Cause it's not too much to edit, you know, but yeah. also someone almost always sleeps in, <laughs> which is why we didn't do the what ifs. Uh, we were like, all right, we can keep missing it. Let's just do it in the morning. Um, okay. But like if, you know, it's, it's likely if we do four or five that it'll end up being three or four, which could also be fun. Um, yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out next week. Uh, keep an eye on your feeds. Cause, and just join us on, on next, uh, next Wednesday night or Thursday morning at 2 a.m. or whatever. Very, very excited. Exciting. Let's do, let's have Thanksgiving together, guys. <laughs> All right. Peace. Until next time, true believers. 
Thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Available everywhere you get podcasts, and now a video version streaming live on twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv and available at youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you'd like to learn more about all of our other podcasts, geeky projects, and ways to support the network, visit strandedpanda.com.